The reading is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you to God. As you know, in the morning over the summer, we're going through five or six psalms from the opening of uh, the Psalter. And this morning we come to perhaps the most famous psalm in the Bible, perhaps the most famous words uh, in uh, the Bible. And let's pray that the Lord will speak afresh to us through these words. For some of us, we may be hearing them for the first time. For many, they are familiar. Let's pray that the Lord will speak afresh to us. Heavenly Father, we come uh, before you, uh, to you, as our great uh, shepherd. And so we pray that uh, you would, through your word this morning, uh, shepherd our souls. We pray that you would guide us Gather us, guard us, as we have need. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless, I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle, I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert and I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. But still, I insist, I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and the final loss. Well, those are the opening words of what uh, David Paulinson, who wrote those words, calls the anti-Psalm 23. It is, if you like, the mirror image of Psalm 23. David Paulinson is an American theologian and counselor, and he goes on to write this. He says, quote, the anti-Psalm tells what life feels like whenever God vanishes from sight. The I'm all alone in the universe experience maps on to so many of the people I talk to. The anti-psalm captures the drivenness, 
and the pointlessness of life. But he goes on to say that this anti-psalm needn't tell the final story. He says it only becomes your reality when you construct your reality from the lie that you are all alone. You see, Psalm 23 is the song of one who has awoken to the good news that I am not all alone in the universe. I'm not the center of the universe. God is. And more than that, he is a God who cares, a God who is not only with us, but for us, a God who would walk with us as our guide, as our guardian, as our great goal in life. I need not be alone wandering through the desert of life. I need not be lost. I need not be unaccountable, unaccounted for. Rather, Psalm 23 asserts, I can be found. I can be cared for. I can be accountable, accounted for. I can be safe and sound and satisfied, like a sheep in the flock of a good shepherd. How can I know this shepherd God? Well, because he has come down to gather his flock. Here are some words from the Lord Jesus Christ. You'd find them in John 10. He said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The Lord Jesus is the one of whom Psalm 23 speaks. And so David Paulinson goes on to say, Psalm 23 captures what life feels like and what it looks like when Jesus Christ puts his hand on your shoulder. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. That's all my confidence, all my hope in this life. We can be confident of the presence of God to provide and to protect in all the precariousness of life. And those are the two aspects that I want to pick up from Psalm 23 this morning. The Lord Jesus as provider and the Lord Jesus as protector. So have a look down at verses 1 to 3 where we learn this. We will not faint for Jesus provides. We will not faint for Jesus provides. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Of course, that was the first priority for a shepherd. It was to provide the basic needs for the sheep, food and water. His basic skill was to sustain his flock on the journey he was taking them. But of course, what you need for a journey depends entirely on the journey you're taking. So uh, Philippa and I and the family, we've just got back from a couple of weeks in the north. Uh, Philippa, as you know, comes from the northeast, from Newcastle. We go up there quite regularly. Uh, And then we spent a week in the Lake District. Now, to get us to Newcastle, to get us from the Lake District home again, is a military operation uh, with three children. To get us there in one piece requires an extraordinary amount of forethought and provision. I mean, there are the various types of food for different points of the journey, and of course, various water bottles, because each wants their own water bottle. Very fastidious about germs. And there are places to stop, national trusts, houses, if we're feeling worthy, 
motto if we're feeling not so worthy. There are CDs, there are books, there are colouring things, pencils, pencils, all required to make this journey. When we turn to the Lord Jesus, as we were reminded in that baptism service, we begin a journey through life, a new journey through life with him. He has rescued us from a world of slavery to sin, and he is leading us through, if you like, the desert of this life to be with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And Jesus has promised to provide for us for that journey. He has promised to sustain us in that journey with him and to him. So he says we can pray to him, can't we? Give us this day our daily bread, confident that he is a shepherd who has committed himself to meeting our physical needs from one day to the next. Not necessarily all our wants, but certainly our needs. More than that, Jesus said this, do you remember in John 6? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, Jesus will satisfy us in a way that foods and fashions and fads could never satisfy us. And just as importantly as that, we can be confident too that Jesus will sustain us spiritually on our journey. He restores my soul. These are wonderful a few words. You know, the, the word translated restores here is a form of the Hebrew word shuv, which is to turn around. It's the Hebrew word for to repent. So there's a sense here, I think there is more here than simply saying he spiritually tops us up. He does do that, but there is more to the word than that. It is a sense of not just topping us up, but continually turning us around. When we go to the supermarket sometimes, and he's sitting here on the front row, Toby will push the, um, the trolley. And that becomes increasingly precarious the heavier the trolley gets. And you see people diving left and right as Toby plows down the aisle. And sometimes what is required, particularly if, as Pete reminded us last week, if the trolley has one of those wheels that causes it to veer naturally anyway, a, a hand is needed on the trolley to keep it going straight. Pete reminded us last week that our hearts are a bit like those Tesco trolleys with the dodgy wheel. They, uh, even when uh, you know, as we become Christians and we're given a desire to go God's way, sin still causes us to naturally veer away. The good news of verse 3 is that the Lord has his hand on our soul. As we struggle, if you like, to push it the right way, God has his hand on our soul, keeping it the right way going the right way, fixing it, straightening it, freeing it. He restores our soul. He keeps it going, keeps turning it around towards himself. And many of us will have experienced that when we have been low, down, struggling spiritually. Many of us will have known God, just that sense of his hand on our soul, bringing us back at that great at some point or another, whether directly as we've read his word or prayed or through the friend and the counsel of a good friend, just at that right time, uh, putting us back on our feet spiritually. The great shepherd has his hand on our soul, restoring it. 
As we seek to follow the Lord Jesus in all our weakness, he will get us through. Imagine, if you will, a man who uh, goes out and he buys a beautiful sports car. Costs him £150,000. It's his dream car, and they are his life savings. And he takes it out of the showroom, you know, he rolls it out of the showroom. And he gets onto the motorway and he drives it as far as he can, just for the sheer pleasure of driving such a wonderful machine. And in fact, he drives it so far, <coughs> he drives it until there's no petrol left. And he has to pull in at the nearest service station to fill up. But when he sees the price of petrol, you know, 135 a litre, he is appalled. And rather than pay the price of a tank of petrol, he abandons his brand new £150,000 sports car on the forecourt and catches the bus home. (laughs) Now that is a ridiculous thought. And it is just as ridiculous to think that Jesus would lead us out of slavery to sin by coming into our world and by dying for us that he would do all the hard work and then let us die in the desert. Wouldn't give us what we need to make it to him in the new heavens and the new earth. It's a point that St. Paul expresses wonderfully in his letter to the Romans. He said this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If the Father did not spare his Son, of course he'll give us what we need for the journey. He'll graciously give us everything. Everything we need physically, everything we need spiritually. And he'll do it, notice, did you see, for his name's sake. It's grace, you see. It's grace. He'll do it not because of who we are, but because of who he is. The welfare of the sheep speaks of the glory of the shepherd. Jesus will save his people. His reputation hangs on it. He'll provide for them. And secondly and finally, he'll protect them. Let's read on. Even though, says David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I think sometimes we have a very sentimental view of shepherds. But certainly, I think this is true today, certainly in the ancient world, a shepherd's life was a tough one. It was a dangerous one. Shepherds led their flocks in order to encounter difficulties and dangers before the flock did. And to deal with those dangers and difficulties, they carried a rod in order to drive away (coughs) dangers and difficulties, animals, and a a staff to, to, to keep their sheep on track. David knew this well, of course. David, who wrote this psalm, was... um, a shepherd, of course, before he was a king. Listen to him speaking about his experience as a shepherd. You can find this back in 1 Samuel 17. He said this, When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Shepherds were fighters, They were warriors on behalf of their sheep to protect them. So when David declares, the Lord is my shepherd, he is declaring that the Lord is his bodyguard, the one who protects him from all that would snatch him away, for all that would do him ultimate harm. 
And that's great news. That's great news because David knows that we ever walk through the valley of the shadow. That verse roots this psalm in the daily experience of life, doesn't it? Life as we so often live it. For many of us, if not all of us, will have felt the chill of the shadow at some time or another. The chill that comes from living in a fallen world, a world that is subject to decay and to illness, to toil and to frustration. This is a great psalm for the bereaved, yes, but I want to suggest it is equally great for those who are battling darkness in any of its forms. And some of us, even this morning, may be experiencing the chill of that darkness in some form or another, some dark valley that we are walking through, be it physically, be it emotionally, uh, be it spiritually. And indeed, over all of us, there is, of course, the ultimate darkness of death. Our greatest enemy, the Bible says, our lurking fear. And so if that is us this morning, if we are conscious of that shadow, then let me say we are in good company, because David knew what it was to grieve to grieve faults and failings. He knew what it was to experience emotional trials and traumas. He knew what it was to face enemies and evils that threatened his life. And so these are words of true comfort, for they come from the lips of someone who has walked through the valley of the shadow. Dark times will be a part of our Christian experience, and that can be helpful to remember when we're in it. And though for a time we may walk in darkness, the comfort here is that we need never succumb to despair because we never walk alone. David says, I shall fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God has not promised to lead David around the valley, but he has promised to lead him through it. And for David, the presence of God in the place of darkness is enough to drive away the fear. For the Lord is his shepherd. His love is not sentimental in that sense. It is, it is rugged. It is active on behalf of his sheep. He goes before David with his rod to defeat anything that would do David ultimate spiritual harm, anything that would snatch David away from his Lord and Savior. It is the presence of the shepherd to protect us rather than the absence of troubles that is the Christian hope in this life. Hmm. But then the question becomes, well, how do I know this to be true? How do I know this hope? Perhaps especially when all is dark and I don't feel it. And the answer, I think, or one of them, is because Jesus has publicly demonstrated his care and his commitment to us by fighting and defeating our greatest foes, sin and death, on the cross. You see, Jesus can lead us safely through the valley of the shadow because he has walked it himself. He has walked through death before us. And he has risen to new life the other side. And that is how he has cleared a path for us to be with him forever. 
The grave, as one writer has put it, has become for us resurrection ground. Jesus said this, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one or nothing. No evil. No redundancy notice. No exam failure. No relationship trouble. No whatever it might be. Nothing can snatch us out of Jesus' hand. No, not even death itself, our greatest enemy, can separate us from Jesus. Christ's death is his rod with which he has defeated our greatest foe. On the cross, we see him do combat for us. And if death can now no longer harm us, if death can no longer snatch us from God, then neither will he allow any lesser foe to snatch us away from him, to defeat us spiritually. Reflecting on this, uh, one writer wrote this, I thought very helpfully. No further guarantee is needed of his wholehearted and permanent commitment to me and to my blessing. Yes, my deepest fears may become realities. I may not be able to understand what God is doing in or to my life. He may seem to be hiding his face from me. My heart may be broken, but but can I not trust in the one who demonstrated his love for me? If he has done that, will he not work all things together for my good? In the darkness, we always have a decision to look only at our circumstances, to see only the shadow, or to look at the cross and see the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus fighting death itself for me, and to trust that he is now overshadowing the darkness with his active love, guiding and guarding my soul in every season of life. Of course, of course, that is not easy when we feel weak particularly. But I think that is why Psalm 23 is such a comfort, because it's not written to the strong. It's written to sheep, the weak and the foolish and the vulnerable and the wandering. It's not the condition of the sheep It is the care and the competence of the shepherd that is our great hope. God does not lose sight of us or give up on us when we are weak, when we wander, when we walk through darkness. He goes after us, doesn't he? Verse 6, surely goodness and love will follow, perhaps better translated, pursue all the days of my life. He has given us this psalm and psalms like this to remember and to recite, perhaps when words fail us. And as we do that, as we cry out to the Lord, as we cling to him, we will find that it becomes a means by which our shepherd, the shepherd who hears us, gathers and guides and guards our soul on the journey. And so we can be sure, like David before us, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so may the Lord Jesus bring us his comfort and his peace. And as we follow him by faith, may he shepherd us safely to his side. Amen.